Hello and welcome to Hey What Do I Know, a no-holds-barred video pod from the inquiring, somewhat disturbed, discerning mind of a free speech-loving and best-life-living advocate, me, Arietta Hu. On here, we'll talk about all things society and culture, from music to fashion, social awareness, on-trend news topics, and, you know, my general musings on shit I find interesting. Most of the times, we just be me, because I talk a lot, and other times, I may have guests, this is, of course, topic dependent. But for now, grab a drink, grab a split, sit back, relax, and listen to me. Let's go. Everybody, I hope you guys are doing well. I'm so sorry for the inconsistency of these podcasts. Life happens. At the moment, this pod's not paying my bills, so I've just had to be hustling and making stuff happen to pay my bills. Plus, I was also living. It was summer, so I do apologize uh, for not being as consistent. And um, also today, I do apologize if you hear any jingle jangles. That will be my hair. I've got beads in my hair. <laughs> so um, if you do hear those jingle jangles, it's from my hair. So I do apologize. Uh, today, uh, this podcast is going to take a somber tone. Um, apart from the fact that I've got cold. But it's a very hard pod for me to make today. And it's topic I'm going to speak about is xenophobia in Africa. Which can be referred to as Afrophobia. I'd like to start off, first of all, by saying that I personally denounce xenophobia in all forms. And especially when it comes to Africa, because of what the continent has been through. It's just heartbreaking and saddening to see that the dreams of Kwame Nkrumah and Nelson Mandela, Lumumba, Patrice Lumumba and all those forefathers are just never going to be realized. They dreamed for a unified Africa, and it doesn't even seem this is going to happen. Even flipping Gaddafi tried to even do something along these lines. But I guess the after effect of colonialism and apartheid, we're still feeling in Africa. You know, colonialism and apartheid did not only rip the continent of its resources, it also ripped us of our souls. And that is really hard to get your head around how... You can hate your own brother and your own sister for no reason, no apparent reason. And, um, you know, the, the issue happening right now with South Af- in South Africa expelling, trying to get other Africans out of their country, you know, this is nothing new. This has happened in Africa a long time, a long, long time ago. It's happened before and will most likely happen again. But in order for us to understand why xenophobia or afrophobia is happening we have to take it backwards so forgive me guys i'm about to give you guys a little history lesson about the way about the scramble for africa which i feel which in my opinion is the root of all of these problems that we have at the moment so most african countries are now 50 60 70 year old post-colonial rule right so we're old enough right now we're full-blown adults right now to look after ourselves and Africa and the governments must grow up because enough is really enough. However, 
this is a lot harder than we think it's going to be. Because the reason why people move around Africa, move around, uh, migrate around, the factors are either economic, political, social or environmental factors. You leave one place to the other to make a better livelihood for yourself. Now, this situation in South Africa happening now, or last month, or last few weeks, whatever, is nothing new, like I said. And this is a repeat of what was happening in 2008 when the first xenophobic attacks in South Africa were reported. You know, Nigerians, Zimbabweans, Zambians, Ghanaians, and other Africans are being hounded out of South Africa. Uh, this is because most South Africans live below, you know, the poverty belt. They're suffering. And they believe that their jobs and other means for acquiring wealth have been taken away from them. It's been taken away from them and, you know, other Africans are benefiting from them. And I just want people to try to understand that this is a continent, right? That before 1914, there were no borders in Africa. And then in Berlin in 1914, while the Africa, unbeknownst to Africans who were just, you know, thought they had these new colonial friends at the time, their country was being divided by Europeans. So the scramble for Africa was a process of invasion, occupation, and of course then colonization. And the continent was being divided by the British, the French, the German, Italian, Portuguese, Belgian, Spanish. It was partitioned, given borders, and at the time, only two countries, uh, Ethiopia, Liberia, formerly known as Abyssinia, remained independent. And like I was saying, not to hop back to the old times, but I really think it's important to understand what was happening then and to put what's happening now in context. Right. European imperialism in Africa just set the continent up to fail, really. And uh, it's fucked up the place. And that's the reason why we're in the mess we are now. And like I said, this exploitation of the continent was not only for the resources, but it was also for the souls, the souls of the African people. You know, things were taken away from them uh, that probably would never be able to get back. We can search years and years, we'll never be able to get back. The continent right now is still shadowed by a uh, with a financial system that was built by the ruins of colonialism. So we have foreign banks in Africa at the moment and businesses that don't pay any tax, any, any tax at all. Reports have shown that an estimated $954 billion has been stolen from Africa post-independence to date. Now, this part hurts me because all I see in Europe are adverts of sending money to Africa. Do you guys realize that every time you send money to Africa, the money comes back to Europe? funneled through your government through the businesses european businesses and have a european financial system built in africa that funnels the money and spends, sends this money back to build europe it's like africa continues to be pillaged till today till today now the process of decolonization of the african minds is still going on and the world's wealth, the wealth of the world, any rich country you can think of in the world has been built off the back of the continent. And again, I don't want to give a history lesson, but for me, these things explain a lot why, uh, give a lot, uh, explanation as to why xenophobia keeps happening in Africa. Like I said, it's nothing new. However, it seems to be a reoccurring phenomenon which has threatened the diplomatic relations between company, between, between governments and its citizens. 
And as much as these borders are becoming loose, borders around the world are becoming loose, borders in Africa are becoming loose, and multiculturalism taking center stage, ethnic identity consciousness is one of the biggest issues that flames the fire of xenophobia. So Nigerian people, before we start like shouting, 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 shouting so much about this situation without understanding, we also did the same to Ghanaians in the 1980s. Anybody remembers Ghana must go? Ghana must go. Those laundry bags, we call them Ghana must go. Because in the 1980s, we had a president in Nigeria, Shehu Shagari, who, on the basis of his election, which he pretended to help simulate economic growth, said he believed that the Ghanaians were coming into Nigeria to take all the jobs away from Nigerians. At the time, all the doctors, the lesson teachers, and other menial jobs were being occupied by Ghanaians in Nigeria because the Nigerian economy was strong based off the fact that we had rich oil reserves, oil reserves which have been plundered today, hence we're fucked up as it is. But also in, reta- in retaliation for what Kofi Abuswa, the president of Ghana, Prime Minister of Ghana in 1969 did, Kofi Abuswa brought in a law that stated that people stated that documented aliens needed documented aliens would not be allowed to work in the country in Ghana. As such, he introduced his aliens compire, compliance order, which was aimed at expel, expelling undocumented aliens from the country. And this is a similar law that Shehu Shagari brought in in Nigeria in 1980. So the irony here is that Kofi Abuswa the prime minister of Ghana in 1969 was a strong opponent of Kwame Nkrumah. Kwame Nkrumah was obviously the first president of Ghana, a pan-Africanist and the father of African nationalism, who uh, died a few years before um, Kofi Abuswa took over. Kofi Abuswa, I should say, not Abuswa. Now, this was in 1969 when this happened. So when Nigerians were doing it in the 1980s, it was almost like a tit-for-tat thing. Okay. So most Africans see this move by their government as a nationalistic initiative to ensure availability of jobs in their country. So again, this is nothing new. Kenya did a similar thing, trying to expel Somali refugees, who they blame for the wave of terrorist attacks in their country, which has been happening in recent years. Gabon took the decision to kick out people from the Benin Republic from their country. But in this case, it was totally different. This was due to the fact of there was some animosity between the president of Gabon and the president of the Benin Republic. Benin Republic did the same to the, Gab- the Gabonese. Angola kicked out the Congolese, expelling over 300,000 people they perceive as a threat to their natural resources. You know, these natural resources that belong to Angola. This happened as recently as 2008, 2009. And of course, in response, Congo kicked out Angolans. (laughs) Don't even get me started on the fact that Libyans sell Africans into slavery, other black Africans into slavery. However, it's important to note that This Libyan case is a totally different kettle of fish, but I just wanted to bring it here to understand how Africans have been treating Africans historically post-colonization. I must add at this point, though, the difference between all these other expelling of African nationals from different countries has been done peacefully with no bloodshed. That is why this thing happening in South Africa right now is very, very worrying. It's entirely worrying. 
85% of the wealth in South Africa, yeah, is owned by white European people. It's controlled by white European people who live in South Africa. And it's not necessarily the African people taking their jobs because most African people going into South Africa, going on these menial paying jobs, they do the jobs which, in, in quote, they say the South Africans don't want. You know, I think that we are, this is misplaced anger. The anger is on the wrong people. The anger has been on the wrong people. We should turn our anger on ourselves. We should actually look and see which people need to be expelled from our countries. Because if post-apartheid, you know, apartheid was one thing that brought Africans together. We were all united in the fight to free South Africa. All united in the fight to free South Africa from apartheid. And it's a sad, sad state of affair that in 2019 or should go back to 10 years ago when the first reports of the xenophobic attacks were happening, that this is happening. We are brothers and we are sisters. We were only separated and and our countries demarcated by lines which the Europeans put in place for Christ's sakes. And yet we still look at these people who are living their best lives in our countries as superheroes. Tell me how fucked up is that? This is worse than having Stockholm Syndrome, you know. It's much worse than having Stockholm Syndrome because we can't actually see who the real enemy is. You know? What's really, really painful to me anyway is that despite independence, you know, despite the fact that most African countries have been independent for a while now, we are still under the thumb of colonial power. They, they dominate our economical sectors, they dominate our financial sectors to ensure that Africans will continue to strive. You know, our resources are still being pillaged, you know, and this lack of resources, most importantly, the brain capacity to see that Africans are one and the same, it's what's killing us. Now you think, how is brain capacity a resource? Dude, They've taken everything from us and stripped us from our own identities. When your identity is taken, so is your brain. You can't think for yourself. You really can't think for yourself at this point, can you? Now, not saying that, you know, the South African people don't have a case here because they are suffering and they're living below the belt. I just think the anger is focused on the wrong segment of people, you know. The difference between, like I said, what's happening in South Africa today and what happened in the past, yeah, is that this is as a result of the long-standing, the long-standing domination and oppression of blacks, orchestrated by the white minority controlling 85% of South Africans' wealth. For a long time, for a long, long time, I couldn't understand how a minority people in South Africa were ruling the majority. And, and, you know, if you think about it, there were more South Africans, black South Africans, than there were white people. But it took us a while to understand that our minds, our souls, were all broken down. We didn't believe that we were African people. You know, we didn't understand our power as African people. And we still don't understand our power as African people. And that's why African is not united. The end of apartheid, you know, 
in which many, many African countries, like I said, we fought for. It meant that South Africa would put in measures to stop any form of oppression, be it economical or political. However, these measures that were put in place seem to be targeted at other Africans and not the foreigners, not the, in quotes, Muzungus living in South Africa who continue to control the wealth. You know, like, I understand that Nigerian people were not easy. We're obnoxious. We're proud. We are loud. The thing is, colonialism affects different people in different ways. We thought... We as Nigerian people, I'm sure we thought we were the dog's bollocks because we were colonized by the English. We spoke better English than most other Africans. And of course, we did have this habit of looking down at African people, you know. But as a Nigerian, seeing that we are not welcome or wanted in most countries for one reason or the other, it just makes me so sad. Nigerians wouldn't need to seek greener pastures if our national resources haven't been squandered. You know, post-colonialism, as Nigerians, we've sold out our whole country. You know, if things worked in Nigeria, you know, we wouldn't need to be anywhere else. You know, while other while countries' resources are being stolen and exported and taken away from the people, you know, there's only one way to describe Nigeria at this point in time. And that's failed. It pains me to say this, but Nigeria has failed. It's failed, it's failed, it's failed. And it, the West has a vested interest in ensuring that Nigeria never works. Can you imagine? We are the most populous nature, nation on earth. If Nigeria worked and worked properly, like if the economical, political, financial, social systems worked in Nigeria, can you imagine how great Africa would be, not just Nigeria, Africa in itself would be. The mind boggles, and the West know this. I say this not because I, I'm educated or I know any better, but dude, just read history books. It's all in there. We Africans fight amongst ourselves thinking we're different or better, but our forefathers, you know, Patrice Lumumba and Kwame Nkrumah and all those great people who fought for the independence of Africa, they are rolling in their graves. Nelson Mandela is rolling in his graves as what's happening. You know, the level of, of hostility and intolerance towards other Africans can only be linked, yeah, to the after effect of everything that's happened to this continent. Any South African alive before 1992 when Madiba was released from prison must remember that Africans rallied round together for one cause. And one of the first, uh, that, that cause being the freedom of South Africa. And again, one of the first countries that Nelson Mandela went to upon release was Nigeria. Nelson Mandela was reading literature. Nelson Mandela and the ANC members who were in prison in Robin Island were reading literature from Chinua Achebe, and Afri another Nigerian African author. Nelson Mandela is quoted to have said these books kept his spirits alive. It's sad to see that we don't see the strength in us all being together. And all these attacks against each other just show that these colonialists have planted seeds that we are still struggling to uproot today. You know, the Pan-Africanist movement that started in the 1950s post-colonization, um, sorry, post-pre-independence was for Africa to be for all Africans. Now, this never doesn't seem to be the rallying cry anymore. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, actually. I don't have any answers or any solutions to these problems. But with this xenophobia that we have, 
I think we need to realize that we are all the same people. We are not different. We can't let the dreams of Nelson Mandela, Kwame Nkrumah, Lawrence Momomba, the dreams of United Africa go to waste. Their dreams seem to have died with them. You know, Africa is not united. We don't learn about each other in schools. We don't, we don't care about each other. Hell, we don't even have a common language. The common language spoken in Africa is English. You know, there are no exchange programs at university level for us to learn about one another. And, you know, despite this independence, our financial and economical business sectors are still being controlled by the colonists. Hell, in some African countries... <laughs> You know, they still get their money made in France, the French-speaking African countries. So France still controls the amount of currency that goes in and out of the country. This is sad. I describe myself as African first and everything else later. I used to pride myself on being African. And it's the reason why I push myself extra hard daily, because I'm African. Every African person is my brother or my sister. In 2019, what's going on in South Africa is making my heart bleed. I pray that we all wake up and see, guys. I pray we wake up and see. Nkosilele, Africa. God bless Africa. God bless us all, guys. So I am going to use this segment, uh, the GOAT of the Week segment, to highlight um, things that are still happening in Africa and keep it in the somber tone of this podcast. I want to celebrate the life of Uyineni Meweteanga. Uyineni was a South African female who was raped, tortured and killed by a post office worker as she collected her package from the post office. This happened only two weeks ago. Uyineni's death has sparked the hashtag, am I next? And anger and outrage has ensued across South Africa. Women all over South Africa are speaking out against gender-based violence, which is a huge issue in South Africa. In 2018, 3,915 women and children were murdered with less than 1% of the perpetrators ever facing justice. This report is disturbing, and we have several high-profile incidents of violence there have been several high profile incidents of violence between women and girls you know in some cases it's even worse for the lesbians and that's a whole different story so today guys please say this name out loud Uyineni, Uyineni. may her death not be in vain and i hope that south africa and other african governments could do their best to stop this violence happening around women Rape of women in Africa is most of the time seen as no big deal, guys. You have to understand it. This gender-based violence, again, would never have happened in the 1900s when African queens ruled. This whole patriarchal society, again, is another after effect of colonialism. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not anti-white because my husband is white. But please remember that Africa is messed up right now. So say the name, Uyineni, Uyineni, Meretanga. May she rest in peace. The quote of the week today is by, it's from Martin Luther King Jr. 
Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. This podcast was brought to you by me, researched by me, edited by me, put together by me. Everything me, 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 sponsored by me. It's a me, 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 me enterprise. Thank you for listening. These are my thoughts. These are my musings. But when you think about it, what the hell do I know? This much I fucking do. Ha, 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 ha.